When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So unlike with the mainstream financial media, here in the alternative side of the financial media, there is a lot of talk about inflation. That's not to say that you won't hear the word inflation uttered on CNBC or Fox Business or something like that. Yeah, they talk about it, but oftentimes it's more of an abstract idea or it's them discussing some of the the most recent inflation numbers from the U.S. government or or whatever government we're talking about here. Rarely are the long-term implications of of high inflation discussed on, on any of those programs. And yet, even here in the alternative financial media, despite the fact that we are obviously very concerned about inflation, I think sometimes... It's, it's worth talking about in more detail exactly what the implications of a high inflation environment are on the financial system, on debt, as well as those that are on the other side of that deal when it comes to, to debt, the, the lenders rather than just the borrowers. And yet, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, there is a lot of talk even right now about a disinflationary or a full-blown deflationary environment. <clears throat> uh, you also see things like lower rates of returns as well as lower and lower rates on things like government yield uh, or government tr- uh, treasury bonds and and, and uh, commercial bonds and municipal bonds, etc., and, and I'm not going to deny reality and say that, yeah, there is some elements of deflation right now. And and I think there's going to be for, for quite some time heading into the next recession. And yet, <clears throat> I think the reality of the situation is that, first of all, inflation is going to happen because of the actions that central banks and governments are going to be forced to, to take to try and stave off the next recession or full-blown depression and, and financial crisis. I mean, let's not forget that on average, for example, the Federal Reserve needs to cut their Fed funds rate by something like 5% to uh, account for a pretty decent-sized recession. Well, the current Fed funds rate is like under 2% right now, right after their, their most recent uh, three cuts. So... The Federal Reserve, and, and by the way, the Federal Reserve is, was able to, to raise interest rates quite a bit more than other central banks, some of which are, are still negative despite the fact that uh, they aren't in recession officially. I'm talking the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank. And so you're going to see central banks as well as governments have to undertake just crazy, desperate uh, uh, action to try and stave off a recession, and it's going to spark inflation. I mean, there's no way that you can print more money than it's been printed in the history of of uh, your currency or your country. I'm thinking the U.S. or Japan or whatever, uh, without sparking inflation, right? They're going to fight this deflation, but but it's going to spark quite a bit of inflation. The other side of it is also the the debt side of it. 
uh, debt is out of control at the government level, at the corporate level, at the consumer level. This isn't specific to the United States. This is uh, we, we can generalize that to most uh, major economies around the world. They're swimming in debt, and it's stifling long-term economic growth. It's stifling uh, investment returns, etc. And and at some point, uh, the end game for that is is not some sort of mass forgiveness program. I think you know if there's going to be any sort of mass forgiveness program, it's going to come through the way of high inflation, right? Uh, there there's no other way out. At some point, that's going to occur. That the debt load is simply going to become too much. So that brings us back to this talk about inflation. And as I said there, uh, as a whole, you, you can throw uh, two, you can create two different categories of, of individuals or entities, whether we're talking about governments, banks, investors, etc., and, and talk about whether they're going to benefit or not from this inflation in the future, based on the fact on whether they're a net lender or a net borrower. Now, let, let me be myself. Let me let me make myself clear. We're all going to suffer to some extent because of this inflation, a highly inflationary recession, sustained long-term inflation, is very damaging to. I would argue not just the currency, not just uh, lenders, but but honestly, the fabric of society. I think there's going to be some serious problems here that that. Uh, crop up because of a sustained high inflation uh, as it relates to politics, as it relates to to society, as it relates to um, some of these other elements that we have to consider beyond just the economic picture. So it's it, like I said, borrowers, which are are very high number and, and, and hold a very high amount of debt globally, in theory should benefit from this inflation more than anything else. And, and I think that that alone puts some at ease about this inflation, especially those that don't, don't fully understand inflation or the importance of a stable currency. Uh, 50% inflation over five years. Right? That's something I've discussed uh, many months ago in the past, but a prediction that I still believe is, is going to occur uh, in the relatively near-term future. What would that look like for borrowers? Well, you know, the student loan crisis would all of a sudden become less of a crisis. Same thing goes for credit card debt, auto loan debt, uh, the, the corporate debt bubble that we see right now. And of course, government debt. It's essentially, you know, if the, the currency is worth half as much in five years, well, all else being equal, the debt will be half as important. Now, of course, the debt's going to go up quite a bit over that time span. But but it's going to help those that are borrowers, in, in theory, at least when, when we're talking about purchasing power and the, the amount that the, they owe. And that's all fine and dandy and until you consider who is on the other side of that debt picture. For every lender or for every borrower, there is a lender. And that's where things get really uh, damaging because who is it that is lending this all out? Well, first of all, we can talk about the U.S. government. Who is it that is lending to the U.S. government? Primarily, it's, it's us. It's individuals. We may not know it, but if you have you know, any sort of like a 401k or a mutual fund, anything like that, you likely own some amount of U.S. government debt or German debt 
or French debt or Swiss debt or Austrian Austrian debt or whatever, uh, uh, Japanese debt, right? You likely own a good chunk of that. And and yeah, it's it's private investors through those types of, of you know pension funds or four hundred one ks or mutual funds or whatever that owe a lot of the money to these governments, including the United States. And then, you, of course, you also have other countries. You have financial entities, hedge funds, and, and all these other... And, of course, hedge funds, I mean, it's, it's ultimately the consumer that, that theory owns that. But, but there's all sorts of different entities also that we can add to that list that owe or, or have lended money to, to, to different governments, right? So they're going to be damaged by it because, you know, unless yields increase... Um, the the price of these bonds is going to stay extremely high despite this inflation. So, I mean, you look at, for instance, U.S. government debt, right? The U.S. 10-year is currently yielding less than 2%, despite the fact that, that inflation uh, is, is likely well above 2%. Uh, but, but imagine 10% inflation in the future. There's the possibility that the U.S. 10-year, in terms of yield, could rise to 10% or 11% or 12%. Okay, But what about those that are holding 10-year bonds prior to this amount of high inflation and, and the rise in the yield? The value of those bonds are going to be absolutely destroyed. Who wants a 10-year bond that is one year into its, its, uh, um, into its term? Uh, with nine years remaining, that's yielding, you know, upon purchase, let's say 2%, when inflation is closer to 10%. The value of those absolutely plummets, which means the the value of the portfolios of investors, of retirees, of pensions, which are a, a huge issue, the value of all those things absolutely plummet. Lenders are going to be massacred, right? That's kind of a theme of this, that yeah, Borrowers get off easy in theory. Nobody gets off easy, though. But but lenders are going to be absolutely massacred. And that's just the government side of things. We have the same issue with, with the corporate side of things, of course, with some of those same accounts that I just mentioned, pensions, 401ks, mutual funds. A lot of those own some amount of corporate debt. And, hey, guess what? Corporate debt is yielding a higher amount, generally, than government debt. But it's still falls into the same problem that that government debt does when when high inflation rears its ugly head all of a sudden it's the lenders that are going to be to be massacred right those bonds are going to be massacred and when it's all said and done there's also a very high risk of a default on a lot of these with government you have oftentimes printing presses central banks that that can make up the uh, uh, make up the difference Right? For instance, if the U.S. government was was uh, rolling over its debt at at something like ten percent, that's a that's a very high number. But even six, eight percent, whatever, five percent, that's a huge cost of interest. Now it's it's helped maybe a bit by the fact that that inflation would be high, uh, but again, they have the printing presses to help them out. Uh, these corporations oftentimes do not, and in a high inflation environment. I don't think we can necessarily count on, on profits increasing by that same amount, considering this very well could be a, a depressionary environment that we're in. So those that are holding corporate debt are in a big, uh, uh, have lost a large amount of money. And then you also have private debt. Who is it that, that 
owns private debt, generally speaking, it's financial institutions. Now, not all of it. I mean, you can have things like mortgage debt, auto loan debt, um, you know, even credit card debt, um, repackaged to to consumers, right? Uh, and and then the the inflationary threat, the inflationary risk, is is passed off to to consumers. But financial institutions. I mean, think of your local bank, whether it's a local bank or a, a very large bank that just happens to have a local branch. You know, think of all the mortgages, the car loans, the credit card debt. Credit card is generally going to be higher than the rate of inflation, but at least those other types of uh, you know business loans, whatever that were put out at three percent, four, five, six percent. Uh, think about the losses that those financial institutions are going to incur in real terms, not just in in, in dollar amounts, but but actual purchasing power when inflation is above the rate of that loan. I mean, hey, it's going to be great for those that that. Uh, uh, are borrowing at those low rates. Again, nobody really wins here. But for the lenders, for the financial institutions, for the banks, there's a huge problem there, right? And and this really is, I think, a problem that, like I said earlier, that is not fully realized by the mainstream financial media, but even this alternative financial media. We, I don't think that there's many here in the alternative side of things that think that some sort of debt jubilee, which is a term that's biblical in origin uh, and, and refers to some sort of massive forgiveness of, of debt, which some people believe will come about through the way of inflation. I don't think we, we oftentimes think of that as in positive terms. We, we think of it as, as those that racked up the debts are, are being let off easy, whether it's governments, consumers, corporations, whatever. But let's not forget that those that are are lending to those borrowers uh, are, are going to be absolutely massacred by this, right? Let's not forget that it's not as easy as saying, hey, if we have a high inflationary environment, if the dollar lose half or, or 90% of its value, whatever, or whatever currency we're talking about here, honestly, that eh, retirees are going to be fine, that, uh, you know, all these other pension funds and, and, and banks and whatnot, that they're going to be fine. Uh, they won't. I mean, pension funds, a very high amount of their debt is, or high amount of their holdings is, is debt. Government and corporate bonds, usually. Same thing goes for most consumers that are retiring. A very large amount is held in debt because historically it's provided a pretty decent return. Not so much the case today, but it still provides a return. And, and oftentimes it is held by, by those various... Uh, tools, various accounts that I'm, I've been mentioning here. And it's not as easy as saying that, that they're just going to be fine because stocks are going to go up in an inflationary environment. Because even if they do, and, and let's not forget the default risk for a lot of those stocks, um, a lot of those companies, but even if they do, you still have to remember that the value of bonds and the value of debt is going to be absolutely massacred. There's always the other side of this equation, this debt equation, we can't just think about the borrowers, the crazy amount of debt that we're seeing in every level of the economy and nearly every country around the world. We can't think of just about the amount of debt, but also who, in their right mind, who is lending to them, whether it's the U.S. government, 
or uh, a new college grad that is in over their head and buying a half a million dollar house or uh, a corporation that is basically in junk bond status or whatever the, the case may be. There's always another party to that. And, and I think we have to keep that in mind. And, and that's where it really gets ugly in this next inflationary environment. Never mind what inflation will do to, again, the fabric of society, um, the stability of prices, the utility of fiat currency, uh, as, as well as savers, which is another major problem here, those that are saving in fiat currency or those that are saving in, in relatively low-yield tools like, like CDs and whatnot. They're going to be, again, massacred by inflation. We have to remember those that are lending in the first place. To, to a lot of these borrowers. So as always, I hope that this uh, podcast today has, has sparked um, some curiosity, sparked some, some thought that I think is, is not oftentimes presented, again, in this alternative financial media. But as always, uh, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for, for tuning in today. And God bless.